0: I always feel humbled and grateful to be able to bring the Word of God. Every Sunday, I'm on assignment here. But this morning, I feel a little more gratitude because I get to bring to us Romans chapter 8. Lord... Come and take your word and apply it to our lives today. Activate the truth of this remarkable chapter in the daily lives of every one of us that we can all leave here with something that will prepare us better to live for Christ. Amen. There are five words that I want to direct our attention to in Romans 8. In a sense, it's the theme of Romans 8. And um, these words... uh, makes sense out of the entire book of Romans. But before I get to those words, there are certain things we need to understand about the Holy Spirit. I can remember, and leave this scripture on the board, when uh, I was brand new Christian, I was uh, 13 years old, and I was in a home Bible study, there were about 50 students. And the youth pastor stood up and said, when you think of the Holy Spirit, what comes to mind? I was a new kid. I didn't know any better. I raised my hand. I said, well, it's like the Wizard of Oz. He didn't like that answer. So I raised my hand again. thought I'd give it another shot. He called on me a second time. I said, well, it's kind of like electricity. It's the force. It's power. Well, as I recall, that night was a total disaster. Uh, he never got the, that Bible study back on track. Uh, everyone left as confused as I was. And, and, but I start there to say I used to have funny thoughts about the holy spirit let's just look at this there's one god three persons father son holy spirit the father we can identify with the father even if you had a, a a father that that fell miserably short at least you you can even through a bad example you can imagine what a good father looks like and and you can imagine the father and you can imagine Jesus, because we've got you know him holding children, and we've got lots of stories about how great Jesus was, and we can relate to Jesus. But then you come to the Holy Spirit, it's like what? Oh, what is this Jesus? I mean, the Holy Spirit. Well, who, who's, what's with the Holy Spirit? And even in the Bible, there's pictures that don't really help. Like one time, he shows up like a dove. Is he a bird? There's another time where he's like water. Well, is he, is he just water? There's other time he's oil. Is he just oil? There's time he's wind. Is he, is he just a wind? These are kind of elusive, hard to relate to terms that describe the Holy Spirit. Now, in, in understanding the Holy Spirit, the, the first thing I want us to understand is he is God. Now, this verse, Romans 8 verse 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Now in that one verse, we are introduced to the two most important facts about the Holy Spirit. First, he is God. He is just as much God as God the Father and God the Son. In fact, he's so much like God the Father that he's called the Spirit of God, that is God the Father, and he's also called the Spirit of Christ, God the Son. Interchangeably, he is the Spirit of the Father and he's the Spirit of the Son. I've had people even recently come up to me and say, Fred, I can handle the Father and I can handle the Son. I can't handle the Holy Spirit. I said, you handle the Holy Spirit more than you realize because without the Holy Spirit you would not know the Father and you wouldn't trust the Father and you wouldn't know the Son or, and trust the Son if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. Look at that verse. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ and he's the Spirit of the Father. So everything you like about the Father, you should like about the Holy Spirit and everything you like about Jesus, you should like about... the about the holy spirit so he is god now the other fact that you must understand is he is like the wind but he's not a wind he's like a dove but he's not a dove he's like oil but he's not oil he's like water but he's not water he is a person he is as much a person as the father is a person and the son is a person The Holy Spirit is as much a person as the person sitting next to you. To get to know the Holy Spirit is not to just get to know a dove. You're not getting to know a bird, you're getting to know a person. And to prove that, we're going to look through Romans chapter 8. This is called the Holy Spirit chapter for a reason. In the first 15 verses, the Holy Spirit, the name Spirit is used 14 times in 15 verses. This is legitimately the Holy Spirit chapter in the Bible. There are other Holy Spirit chapters, but this is toward the top of the Holy Spirit chapters in the whole Bible. It's Romans chapter 8 legitimately and accurately. But notice the things that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit dwells in you like a person dwells in a house. The Holy Spirit dwells in you because he is a person. It says that the Holy Spirit talks because he's a person. The Holy Spirit prays because he's a person and people pray. Doves don't pray. Oil doesn't pray. Wind doesn't pray. People pray. The Holy Spirit prays because he's a person. Do you see this? It says that he leads us. Now, a force doesn't lead you, a person leads you. Because he's a person, he leads you. All these descriptions of the activity of Jesus are are only true of people, of persons. And that's why we say that the Holy Spirit is God and he is a person. He's not just the energy field of God. Are we clear? The other thing I want you to see, and you all have have seen this side of me more lately, but I am a defender. I'm a protector. And when it comes to enemies that would try to take you out, It brings out of me a fighter. And I'm telling you something here. In our day, increasingly, there are false teachers who are trying to come against the Trinity in our day. And it's going to increase. And for this reason, I'm taking a little bit more time whenever we come to a text of Scripture that deals with the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because, again, in our day, there are well-known preachers who no longer believe in the Trinity. And you're going to have this surface more and more in our lifetime. Your children will have to deal with this. It's a serious issue. And what I want to just point out here, while we're dealing with the bigger subject of God, not just the the person of the Holy Spirit, but I want to emphasize the, the one true God who is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as one true God. Look at verse The the, the Scripture that's up here will work for us. You've got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that one verse. You've got God the Father, you've got Christ the Son, and you've got the Holy Spirit mentioned explicitly twice in that one verse, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In verse 11, similarly, If the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, that's the third person of the Godhead, of him who raised, that's the Father, raised Jesus, that's the Son from the dead. If the Spirit of of the Father who raised the Son from the dead dwells in you, he, the Father who raised the Son from the dead, will give life to your mortal bodies through his Holy Spirit who dwells in you. The, the father son and holy spirit are not referred to once in verse 11 but twice anybody want to clap for that i think that's that's just worth affirming i'm just i'm 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 just this we we have to understand this this is not just referred to casually here and there in scripture it's everywhere And if if you, if any of us have misunderstood the Holy Spirit, if we've had an unhealthy, um, maybe even apprehension toward the Holy Spirit, this ought to settle those misconceptions and those um, reluctancies within us. They, They ought to settle those things so that We who have no problem with the Father and no problem with the Son should have no problem with the Holy Spirit. And then again in verses 15 and 16. It says here, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, of adoption, as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we are children of the Father. So once again, we see the fullness. And then what does it say? That we are children of God, heirs of God, and fellow heirs of Christ. So there's the Son. The Trinity working together seamlessly, overlapping their ministries, their activities, their personhood in perfect unity. Hallelujah. Now, the five words that are the deal breaker in Romans chapter 8 are there in verse 2. For the Spirit, I'm sorry, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The five words I want to lift up over us this morning is the, the words, the law of the spirit. The law of the spirit. Say it with me. The law of the spirit. Once again, the law of the spirit. Now, <clears throat> We saw last week there are three laws in the book of Romans. Law number one is the written moral law. We know it as the Ten Commandments. That's the primary law being referred to when the word law appears in the book of Romans. Most often it's referring to God's moral law. The second law is the law of sin. Now this is what we, looked, what we discovered last week in Romans chapter 7. And the reason it's in Romans 7 is because the first law, God's moral law, was given to introduce us to the second law, the law of sin. It says in Romans 7 that I would not have known sin, the second law, if it had not been for the written law. Because the written law came, and I couldn't fulfill it. And when I tried to fulfill the first law, I discovered the second law. That I'm governed by a set of principles that are known as sin. I'm twisted. I am incapable of fulfilling law number one and that reveals to me law number two, the law that governs my life, law number two, the law of sin. But now in Romans 8, we are introduced, verse 2, to this third law, the law of the Spirit. Now, the first law was given by God to introduce us to the second law, Together, the first law and the second law are given to introduce us to the third law. What do we need the Holy Spirit for if without him we are capable of fulfilling the first law? We don't need the Holy Spirit. But, aha, apart from him, we are utter failures at keeping law number one, we are resigned and futilely resigned to, keep, uh, to live the rest of our lives under law number two, but no, we're not, because in Christ, he breaks the power of law number two and he gives us a new dominion to live under this third law, the law of the Holy Spirit. And the law of the spirit is what the whole book of Romans is about. And we're introduced to it in Romans chapter 8. Now what we're going to find here, that this law of the spirit has 10 game-changing facets to it. And, and it will lead us through the entire book of Romans. Game-changer number one. Now again, these are all aspects of the five words, the law of the spirit. A law is the principle of behavior. It's the pattern of behavior. It's just like if I drop my phone, bam, it's the law of gravity. It's the law. If, If I jumped as far as I could, I will land somewhere, no matter how much spring I've got left, I'm going to land because of the law of gravity. The law, it's, a, it's a principle of behavior. So the law of the spirit is characterized in 10 ways. Number one, and this is the whole book, this is the whole of Romans chapter eight. So I would encourage you, it starts on page 34 in your journals. You can uh, write in the margin all 10 of these uh, game-changing principles of the law of the Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And this is the verse that we've already looked at, Romans 8, verse 9. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if the Spirit, if we are in the Spirit, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. This is the first principle of the law of the Spirit that the Spirit of God doesn't just dwell with you. He doesn't just accompany you to school or to work or in your home. The Spirit of God dwells in you. This is game changer number one. Everything flows out of that. If you do not have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, then you don't belong to Christ, But if you are born of the Holy Spirit, he dwells in you. And as I say, everything flows out of his indwelling presence. All the other 10 aspects, the game-changing aspects of the activity of the Holy Spirit, they all flow out of this number one, the fact that he dwells within us. Game-changer number two. He gives life to us. He brings a whole new set of activities. Look at verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, see that's the starting point. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, will flow out through your life, the one who dwells in you, he will give life. He will quicken your activities. He will take what was dead and bring it to life. Number three, he now, the one dwelling in you, number three, he will give you power to obey God so that you don't have to live under law number two. But because of law number three, you will actually be able now to fulfill law number one, which under law number two you were never able to do. But now there is the one who dwells in you who gives you that power. And it says in verse four, in order that the righteous requirements of the law, that's law number one, might be fulfilled in us, Who walk not according to the flesh, that's law number two, but according to the spirit, that's law number three. He gives us the power to obey God. Can anybody say amen? Amen. (laughs) Number four, he changes our thinking. Verses five and six. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. If you're going to change, something has to help you change your thinking. Change the way you see life. So much flows out of our minds. But the beauty of the transformation of the law of the Spirit is that when the Spirit dwells in here, he doesn't just stay down here, he affects our minds. So that the Bible even says that we can have the mind of Christ. He changes our thinking. Number five. Oh, I love this one. Let me read it first. It's verse 13. If you've breezed through reading Romans 8 before, but have never hit hit verse 13, embrace it today. It says, If you live according to the flesh, that's law number two, you will die. But if by the Spirit, now listen to this, but if by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What this is saying is, when the Holy Spirit lives in you, you, cannot, you now have power to put sin to death. You do it. You do it. What this is saying is, law number three is greater than law number two. In fact, law number two exists to keep you from fulfilling law number one. But now in Christ, you are now under law number three, and you have at your access the power within you to put sin to death. Praise God. There is, God wants you to have that joy. Those things that you wrote down in Romans 7 last week, the things that I don't want to do, I keep on doing, whatever you put down there, gossip, pride, pornography, self-hatred, fear, all those things that you don't want to do, take it to Romans 8 verse 13. Put them to death. By, By what? Not by self-will, but by the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit who takes what Christ has accomplished and gives you now authority to use it to put to death any sin that is habitual or chronic in your life. Number six... It's the next verse, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. It's a simple, straightforward scripture, but what this says is God wants you, God wants every one of us to be led by the Holy Spirit. To be led by the Spirit. That is, and we learn, we've already read the verse, but it's a verse coming up, that the Holy Spirit talks to us. He goes ahead of us. He calls us by name. And we, we hear him call our name and we follow him. Galatians chapter 5 says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. To be led by the Spirit. Who, would, who doesn't want that? And notice it comes in the sequence right after the fact that by the Spirit we are putting sin to death. That's all part of being led by the Holy Spirit. Number seven, he activates in us the ability to call God our Father. It says here in verse 15, for you did not receive a spirit to make you a slave again to fear, but you've received the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is the epicenter of every Christian life. This is not something that, well, yeah, when I was seven, I called God Father when I was first born again. No, that was true, but verse 15 applies to today as much as it did 30 years ago in your life. Today, God, the Holy Spirit, is stirring up in you, the grace of not only calling God Father, but knowing the security of being his child. No point s- seven and eight go together. Point seven that... The Holy Spirit gives us this ability to call God Father, not hoping it's so, but knowing it's so. Because he dwells within us. And he enables us to recognize, hey, he's my father. Daddy, father. And number eight, that he testifies to us that we are sons and daughters, that we are God's children. He speaks to our spirit so that we can call him father and he calls us son, he calls us daughter. It is the headwaters of all intimacy with God, the security, even as we were singing, your goodness is running after, running after me. We all want to know that that's true but it's the Holy Spirit who convinces us that that's true. Some of us, when we sing that, we say, man, I wish that was true. I wish I knew that. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convince you that it is true. Now, we've seen eight. We've got two more. But the most amazing thing, this scripture is so perfectly written that the Apostle Paul takes a little time out before he wraps up the 10. And he gives us a whole reality check of a paragraph on suffering. Some people have have studied and even taught Romans 8 and wished it wasn't there. Oh, what a stupid thing. What do you mean you wish it wasn't there? Like, you don't believe God inspired it to be? It's, it's totally perfect. I'm thrilled that that paragraph is there. Why? Because with all God the Holy Spirit does on our behalf, that does not mean we are quarantined from suffering. Look at the words that are used here. Verse 18, suffering. 19, longing. 20, futility, it means frustration. 21, bondage to corruption. Verse 22, groaning, pain. Verse 23, groaning inwardly. It's almost miserable. In fact, it's not just us who are groaning and suffering. It says all creation around us is groaning and suffering. It's creaking like an old ship being tossed in the turbulent storm. And what, in fact, what this paragraph says is the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more creaking, the more groaning, the more frustration there will be in society. What are we seeing? We're seeing more craziness in our society than we've ever seen. This is why, oh, I'm going to get on one of my hobby horses. Excuse me, Lord, I'll get back to this message. Brothers and sisters, please, 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 don't get dragged in to fighting for Trump or fighting against Trump. God bless you, Julia. <laughs> there are bigger fish to fry in our day. I'm telling you, the, the, the closer we get to the return of Christ, the, I'm not saying you shouldn't vote. Vote. I'm not saying you shouldn't pray. I pray as much as anybody in this room for our president. So do, don't get on me on that. But I'm telling you, the real issue that's happening in the world is not the Republicans and the Democrats. The biggest issue that's happening this next year is not going to be the election. The biggest thing going on in our world is what are we doing with the gospel to reach the unreached people? That's the big deal. I'm telling you, we're going to have creaking. Don't be part of the creaking Don't be, part of the, don't be sucked into the frustrations of, of, of our world. It's going to get crazier and crazier. You know, praise God, if you just ran for and, and, and won the, 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 uh, being the leader of the Republican Party for Gwinnett County, God bless you. I'm going to pray for you. If you just got elected to the Democrat Party leader for Gwinnett County, God bless you. I'll pray for you. But And you can do that if God led you to do that. But for most of us, I'm telling you, there is frustration and creaking, but don't get sucked into it. It's a reality. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Because there is such a thing as law number three. The law of the Spirit. In fact, this section in Romans 8 on the suffering, the pain, the agony, all that, being into the travail of childbirth, you know where it ends? Verse 28. For I know that in everything God works me. For good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose the ma- all the suffering all the frustrations all the surgeries we go through the car accidents the, the, all, all the stuff of life that we all live through in the middle of all the creaking and all the, the, the foolishness God is working for good And what is the good? The next two verses tell you. So that you and I might be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Why we go through it all is so that we might look like Jesus. The reason we're under law number three and not stuck under law number two is so that we might look more like Jesus. Now, after Romans 28, 29, we've got a cacophony, like a fireworks display, one promise after another. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can condemn us if God has justified us? In Christ, we are more than conquerors. All these tremendous victory statements. But woven in here are the two final benefits of the the game-changing benefits of the Holy Spirit. So let me just review. Benefit number one, he dwells within us. Benefit number two, he gives life to us. His life spreads out throughout our lives. Three, he empowers us to obey God. Four, he changes our thinking. Five, he gives us the ability to conquer sin. We can put it to death. Six, he leads us. Seven, he gives us the ability to call God Father. And number eight, he tells us we are God's children with all rights and privileges that go with it. Now, the two final game-changing benefits of the Holy Spirit. Number nine, he enables us to pray. When we, just when we think, man, my prayer life reeks. How can I get anywhere with God when I can't even pray decently? In fact, I would imagine, back in Romans 7, if we wrote down one victory we would like to get, it's we'd like to pray better. How many of you would like to pray better? Now, this is benefit nine. In fact, I'm going to, oh, this is so rich. It says in verse 26, the Spirit helps us, In our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now that word, I want you to circle the word helps. The Holy Spirit helps us. Now that looks like an innocuous little wimpy word. He helps us. Help is a low-level engagement. But the word that's translated help is not a low-level word, I'm telling you. It's the root word that's translated help. The root word is take charge of. But it's got two prefixes. The one prefix means with. So the Holy Spirit takes charge of our prayer life with us. And the second prefix is on top of. So the Holy Spirit takes charge of along with us and on top of us. That's what I want. Holy Spirit, take charge of my prayer life with me and on top of me. So it's still me praying, but it's, it's with you, with me, and on top of me. Overtake me, and help me so that it's still me and it's you at the same time. That's an effective prayer life, and that promise is right there, Romans eight twenty-six. Number 10 is if that's not good enough, just in case you still feel like your prayer life isn't hitting on all cylinders, number 10, he'll pray for you. It says that the Spirit will pray for us. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now you say, oh, I thought Jesus intercedes for us. Doesn't it say in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is interceding for us? Yes. But here again, notice the overlap. You cannot over-compartmentalize the three persons of the, the one true God. Yes, Jesus intercedes for us, but it says here in Romans 8, 27 that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us continuously. Now that ought to encourage you. You know, when my mom died, I thought, what a bummer. I lost one of my best prayer partners. Then I was reminded. It's like the Holy Spirit taps me on the shoulder. Excuse me, have you forgotten? I've got this, Fred. It's understandable you're going to miss your mother, but when it comes to intercession, I've got this. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Now, Romans 8 began with that amazing declaration, there is therefore now no condemnation. And it ends almost where it began. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, if I live, it can't separate me from the love of God. If I die, it can't separate me from the love of God. That no angel can separate me from the love of God, and no demon can separate me from the love of God. That, that tall things, what's tall? Anything that could come, you know, radiation, whatever, you know, global warming, anything that, that's big, it's not going to separate me, and anything Small. No little copperhead, no, no other small issues are going to separate me from the love of God. Things present, the things that are happening now, or the things that might come next week, none of them can separate me from the love of God, which is mine in Christ Jesus. Now, you know how we stay connected to the always, to the love of God? Put in your margin... I think it's maybe even page 40, the last verse of Romans 8, right in the margin, Romans 5, 5, because it says there, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Think of that you can make that number 11 on the game changers of the Holy Spirit. He pours out the love of the Father into our hearts constantly by the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. So so how do we know, how can we affirm the last verse of Romans 8 that nothing's going to separate us? It's because the Holy Spirit is pouring out his love into our hearts. Hallelujah. Now, That's a big message this morning. You can chew on that one for a while. 10, 11, game-changing activities that all come under the five words, the law of the Spirit. But this morning, at this very moment, here's where I want to bring it down. Pick one of those activities of the Holy Spirit that you need today and receive it. It's yours. If you have not been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you've been coming to church for years, but you've never received the Holy Spirit, receive him today. If if there's a sin in your life that you need to put to death, put it to death today. If your prayer life has been in the gutter, and you feel defeated, bring your shabby prayer life under law number three and say holy spirit it says in your word that you help me when i don't know how to pray would you raise up and infuse give me a prayer infusion take it today you can't respond to 10 things but you can respond to one thing and for some of you it might be the 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 11th one that we added the love of god lord i'm in desperate need of you to pour out the love of God into my heart today. Worship team, if you would come and uh, we're going to sing, and as we do, church family, let's respond and put our lives under the law of the Spirit. Let's take something home with us something that the Holy Spirit promises. Romans chapter eight guarantees it. It's not for a few of us, it's for all of us. And what it is that you lack, the Holy Spirit is here to impart to you. Let's all stand together. And Lord Jesus, come and take supremacy, come and shepherd this moment. Come and speak to us as your people. And Lord, activate faith. Lord, we want engagement. We want traction. Uh, we don't wanna leave here saying, well, wasn't that quite a sermon this morning? We, we wanna say, I received something from the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I'm absolutely confident that this moment is a moment for activation. So church family, let's feel free to respond. I want to invite you to come. Come forward. Step out. Come and let's have a transaction. Let's meet the Lord. Come and receive from him. Let's meet him.